There's some things we don't have control over, but in a lot of ways, it is something we can have an impact in. We can reduce those exposures in our homes and in our daily life with just, just the things that we purchase, the things that we do, and um, and it can have a positive impact. And it's one of those things that I feel like once you make those changes, you can kind of stop worrying about it. Like you did your part. You did what you need to do to set yourself up for a better outcome. My name is Jessica Brennan, and I am obsessed with all things clean living and helping you lead a clean, healthy lifestyle that doesn't have to be hard, expensive, or time-consuming. I'm a mama of twin boys who found some really scary ingredients in the natural body wash we were using and turned my outrage into passion to help others eliminate toxins from their daily lives. Listen in on honest conversations and learn the best tips and tricks to take control, simplify, and rid toxins from your mind, body, spirit, and home. If you're ready to take the plunge into clean living, but aren't quite sure where to start, you are in the right place. This is the Clean Living Made Easy Podcast. Welcome everyone, Jessica Brennan here. I'm super, super excited today to have Karen Friend-Smith on. She and I have been work colleagues, colleagues for many years, and she is really passionate about talking to women about menopause and how to navigate that and really try and set them up for success to not have it be as much of a life altering thing as it can be. So Karen, welcome. Can you introduce yourself and tell everybody who you are and, um, and what you do? Yeah. Hello, everybody. So um, I, let's see, I'm a certified health coach and I specialize in menopause and mid, you know, and midlife health. Um, But also when we talk menopause, we're talking all of the stuff leading up to menopause. We're talking about moving through menopause and we're talking about being healthy after we reach menopause, you know, and just, but it's a huge life transition. And so um, I specialize in the nutrition and lifestyle strategies that really help support you through that stage so that, like you said, you can have the least symptoms possible and actually enjoy this phase of life because that's the other thing that I'm really um, passionate about is that this is a really amazing stage of life and it should be something that we get to embrace and enjoy because it's like our first, I don't know, when you move past parenting and you move past all of those things, you know, there's like this whole new life waiting for you. And so I want women to get to enjoy that and um, be their healthiest self in that. So um, I've been in this world for about 15 years in the nutrition and lifestyle space. And um, I live in San Diego where I am empty nesting with my husband of 32 years. I have two grown daughters. And um, so all of those things tie into my passion for health and wellness. So, Well, and I, I love that we're talking about this because this affects, you know, half the population, yet it is a topic that does not get discussed very often. So, and there's so much um, to, to know about it. And to, like you said, be able to navigate through it a little bit easier. Um, I know I mean, in my mid forties, like all, so many of my friends are going through this right now and people I know, um, and just really, truly understanding the lack of resources out there and reliable information. It's, um, it's a problem. So I'm excited <laughs> for having this conversation. I'm so excited that this is something that you're, you know, focusing on and that's something that you're passionate about helping others navigate through. So Yeah, it is something that is, um, it's so interesting that number one, that we don't talk about it, like that's one problem, of course, but because we don't talk about it, it's really hard to tell what's normal, what's not normal, what's, you know, and so, and there are a lot of things changing, like 
the demands on women's lives during our 40s and stuff and and the environment that we live in now. I mean, there's a lot of things that play into our health, um, particularly at critical windows like this and our reproductive health. And, um, you know, it does seem like things are worse. We don't really know <laughs> because of that, you know, the fact that we don't have that information and stuff. So it is, it's a pretty interesting time. Um, it's also interesting when you really, when you reach the stage and you're suddenly scrambling to get support that you need to realize that it's not there for you um, is a little mind blowing at this day right. and age. You'd think we would have made some progress there by now. Well, yeah. <laughs> and especially in this day of te technology and being able to reach people. And um, I'm hoping that, you know, that's going to change. I feel like there's a lot of changes that have we've seen in the last decade, at least. So, this... And that's why it's so important that we're having conversations like this, because this does help move the needle in a better direction for the future, yeah. you know? So. For sure. And just so people know, Karen and I met through our um, work with a company called Beauty Counter. We help people look through their household products and identify toxins and um, switch them to safer options with beauty products and beyond. But how, you know, that's played a key role in um, this conversation that we're going to have just as, as far as like the toxins that we're exposed to and how the, so many of them are linked to hormone disruption. And so that's why this, these conversations are so important because, you know, as we're going through this phase of life, what we surround ourselves with is really, really important to just be aware of and to choose the types of things out there that we can, whether it's food or products in our households um, that are going to have the least amount of impact on our hormones. So we'll dive more deeply into that, but this is a world that Karen's been in for a very long time, as have I, and we can totally geek out on all that, know, yeah. all those details. Yeah. And there, I mean, there are very, there are some studies, there's not enough studies in this space of menopause for sure. Um, one of the things that I find really interesting is you do a PubMed's um, search for like pregnancy, there are over a million studies on pregnancy. And, you know, since the beginning of whenever we've been tracking all that, and then you, you look, search for menopause and it's like a 10th of that. Wow. And then you look for perimenopause and it's another half of that 10th percent, you know? Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it's crazy. But we do know that there are certain chemicals like parabens and phthalates that are linked to early menopause. And so I think that's some of what we're starting to see in our world these days. And um, and so and there are reasons that, you know, you don't necessarily want to reach menopause earlier than you need to. You might be able to be healthy and live your cycling as long as you can. So anyway. Well, yeah, well, and, and that's a good point. Um, with the research that is out there, like, you know, a lot of it is geared towards um, those product reproductive years, um, you know, even earlier than that, like, but at the end of the day, you know, hormones are part of our lives throughout. So, and, you know, sometimes they're more um, specifically a focus of yeah. our daily we, lives we as, others. Yeah. But we as women, we know about hormones and how yes, we they do. fluctuate. We know what, you know, we don't want to mess with them. We want them to be good. So, exactly. We want yeah. them to, you know, be yeah. tamed as much as possible. Um, so let's like dive into this a little bit and we'll obviously talk about toxins here in a bit more in depth, but let's start with nutrition and how that plays a role in managing symptoms of menopause. And then just, you know, promoting overall health 
uh, during this time? Yeah. So um, it's so nutrition. First of all, I mean, it kind of goes without saying we all know that we feel better when we eat better. <laughs> There's a connection between what we eat, how we feel, our health. You know, we we know this, right? But um, you know, nutrition's what makes it's the building blocks. It's what makes everything work. And so when it comes to our hormonal health, um, all of those those things like, you know, the minerals and the nutrients and all that stuff are so important. They're what, you know, support and build everything that are all of the messaging that our hormones are doing in our bodies. So um, just becomes super important at this time when you think about what happens during, you know, as you reach this phase, as you're going through these ups and downs, your hormones are just fluctuating very much more like, like I want to use the word violent, but um, maybe isn't exactly the word, but it can feel that way. Oh sometimes. My God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but just the fluctuations, the ups and downs and stuff, and they're not, they're at a different pace than what you're used to. Like you go your whole life after decades of cycling and stuff, you sort of know your rhythm, you know, when things are, you know, you just, you know, your body that way. Um, but as you reach this stage, things like just go haywire and you're like, what is going on right now? Right. Why am I feeling That's this now? Happening. Like this That's is happening. not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but where nutrition comes into play is just really helping you keep, um, kind of keep those fluctuations at bay for the most part. And, you know, when you think about your blood sugar spiking, that's influence, all of those, it's not just estrogen and stuff like we have in our heads that menopause is all about estrogen. It's not about estrogen alone. All of our hormones work together. And so, you know, creating that environment where that orchestra of hormones can all communicate and sing together <laughs> instead of, you know, some broken violin over in the back corner that's causing issues for everything else, you know? So, right, right. Is there like, um, as far as nutrition is concerned, are there certain foods or categories of foods like protein or whatever, like that can, that people can focus on more so than others? I mean, I would imagine, you know, limiting sugar and, you know, the junk foods, um, yeah. obviously, but are there things that people can add to kind of help level the hormones out a little bit? Yeah. So I always tell people to really start with focusing on just like fruit, uh, like your fruits and vegetables for the most part. Like that's like, if you can put attention and focus on that, um, because of the, the fibers that come from plant foods, and that's just such an important part of the hormone puzzle. And so many women are completely deficient in, um, they're just not eating enough fruits and vegetables. No, nobody is right. We all know this about ourselves. Right, yeah. So, um, so just like if you can turn your focus there, that's huge. And when it comes to vegetables, um, prioritizing cruciferous vegetables at this time is really important. And that's because that helps support our detox pathways, which when it comes to our hormones, that's a key thing in being able to metabolize estrogens better. And so um, anyway, that would be, I mean, I would focus on that. So cruciferous means your kale, your Brussels sprouts, um, your broccoli and your cauliflower, things like that. Those are going to be the ones to prioritize. Um, and then also focusing on when you do eat, really trying to um, focus on adding protein into every meal that you eat. Um, so really it's like, it's protein, fibers, and fats. That's what you want to think about, you know? So the fibers is your plant foods. Your protein can also be plant foods. 
There's a lot of people that think protein means meat, doesn't mean meat. It means making sure that you have protein in your food that you're eating, you know, and a lot of plants have um, protein. So um, anyway, but it is super important to focus on protein. A lot of women, you know, number one, we're skipping meals. We're on the go. We're busy. This is just one of those stages of life. We're skipping meals. And then when we do eat, we're just grabbing whatever can give us the quick energy and that's where everything falls apart. And so, um, you know, if you're going to go for that, um, you know, like, like even looking as simple as a bowl of oatmeal that's got carbs in it, it's nice complex carbs, which is good. But if you can add some protein into that by adding some hemp seeds or adding, if it needs to be protein powder, add your protein powder, add, um, you know, add some nuts and seeds, add some soy milk, add some, that's where you're starting to add in some of the, the fats and the protein into what could be just a simple carb, you know? So right. well, let's sense? talk, let's talk about fats a little bit. I mean, just, um, overall fats get a bad name, but healthy fats are actually really good and very supportive just in general, but it sounds like, you know, super important to kind of balancing things out during this stage. Yeah. Super important during this stage. So, um, don't, you know, don't be afraid of fats, healthy fats. And that's your, that's your nuts and your seeds. And, um, you know, it's the same, you know, your oils and stuff too. Um, just like olive oil or that kind of that kind of stuff, not the, not the other. Right. Fried, <laughs> yeah. fried and oil or not. Stay away from all. Yeah. yeah. Hey there, Jessica here, ready to make cleaning at home a breeze while also playing your part in protecting our planet. Let me introduce you to a game changer, the force of nature system. I have been using force of nature for years and love how it uses a unique technology to transform simple ingredients, water, a capsule of salt, vinegar, and water, and a slight charge of electricity into a household cleaner and disinfectant that's as effective as traditional bleach. But here's the thing, it does all of this without any harmful chemicals or irritants. It's hypoallergenic and EPA registered for disinfecting and sanitizing. It eliminates 99.9% of germs, including viruses, bacteria, mold, and mildew. Force of Nature is more than just a powerful cleaner. It's a sustainable solution that helps you to reduce waste. Say goodbye to single-use plastic bottles and say hello to Force of Nature's eco-friendly system. So why wait? Head over to cleanproductjunkie.com forward slash Force of Nature and get the latest exclusive coupon codes that can save you up to 50%. Step into a cleaner, safer, and greener home with Force of Nature. And the other piece in all of this is when you're when you're focusing on the whole the whole foods, you know, you're getting your vegetables, you're getting your whole grains, you're getting your starchy foods like your potatoes and things like that. Um, that's where you get all of your nutrients. That's the stuff that your body needs to do its job. <laughs> and it's and again, back to this stage of life, it's particularly important and it's going to make your life a lot easier if you put the energy into it, um, if you're not doing it, you're, you know, and you're having the sugars and you're, you know, like, and you're going for the fast process stuff, you're, you're, you're going to pay the price in the way your body behaves for you. So, well, and I guess my feelings are like, you know, for a lot of us, those are things that we feel even without being in that stage of life. Um, so I would imagine it's, it is, it's, it's exasperated, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you're, 
that affects it's, you anyways. So it's one of the things too. It's, I always say, you know, you reach this stage of life and people talk about, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I did like all the things I used to do. I can't, don't work anymore and stuff, you know? And, um, it's really just that, you know, you reach this stage, your body's kind of like completely, if you've lived your forties, you know, and up through the way that most women do completely running themselves ragged, depleted on high speed, doing all the things. And then you reach the stage, you're completely, you know, depleted of all of the nutrients and stuff that your body needs. It's not working properly to begin with. And then you go into this phase of transition. Right. Of course, it's going to be significantly worse. That's why it's just so important. If you're hearing this and you're like, I'm not even there yet. Perfect. Like <laughs> get, get, work, get working on it. It's going to make it so much better for you. Well, and so let's, let's talk about that then as far as like age range, um, what are the typical ages for people to start going into this? And then we were going to say this till later, but you know, if we're talking about, um, women being on the earlier side of this and perimenopause, like what is that? And what are some things for women to look out for, um, that might indicate that they're in that perimenopause stage? Okay. Let's see, where do we start with that question? <laughs> okay. I would start with the age because then I think that so, one. Yeah, so I mean, it, you hear it, it varies out there, but essentially 45 to 55 is the average age of reaching menopause. I think it's important to kind of define what that even means. So really, technically, menopause is a, is a day. It's a moment. Menopause is when you reach 12 months without your period. So I did not know that. Yeah, so there you go. Um, and so leading up to that is a period of time of seven, eight years. That's that we call perimenopause. And there are actually phases of perimenopause as well. Um, early, mid, late. So, and you know, your symptoms and the things that happen during those windows progress. Um, and then once you hit that menopause stage, you're technically post-menopause. <laughs> so, um, and then when you hear people out there talking, people use the word interchangeably, menopause, you know, and that's part of the challenge, I think, for women is that we don't even really know. Right. What, like there almost needs to about. be another word that describes the whole entire process. Ex- as exactly. The, you know, being years long. Yeah. We need yeah. some more vocabulary around this right. period so of life. It's so frustrating because <laughs> so, yeah. nobody even knows what we're talking about. You know, you say the word and it's like, oh, well, well I'm not menopause. Are you sure? Like if you're in your forties, if you're in your forties. So you asked about how do you know? How do you know? And so um, it's super interesting because I think like, and I, I certainly thought this, even though I, I studied menopause for a long time, I don't know where my obsession with it began, but in my thirties, it started. And I kind of had this thing, what would it be like, you know, as I went through all of my nutrition training and all that stuff, I realized the influence of the things that I was doing around nutrition and lifestyle that were completely taking away PMS symptoms and changing that whole thing for me. And I'm like, huh, huh. I wonder if it influences your experience of menopause as well, you know? And so I kind of had that question in the back of my mind all through, you know, this phase of trying to reach menopause and peak health. And what would that look like or feel like? And what symptoms would still exist versus not, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But I think I thought that, you know, 
once I started to really see signs, which for me were um, early perimenopause, it's not, it's, you may not skip, I didn't skip a period until I was 54. Wow. And a lot of women skip all over the place leading up to, you know, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. I was waiting. I'm like, is this, is this menopause? Am I right. menopause now? Am I now? Is this it? You know, and just constantly wondering. <laughs> but what did change? The earliest signs were shifts in the symptoms around my normal monthly cycle. So say you have like breast tenderness on a few days before your period starts. Suddenly you're having that three days after your period ends, mm. you're like, why am I, what's going on? <laughs> you know? And so it's little subtle shifts like that. And then over time, you might notice that your cycle's like two days shorter than it used to be. Like little, it's little changes like that. Right. And um, as those things start to happen, and if you're in your forties, you can accept the fact that you're in perimenopause. Right. You're like there. You're most likely you're there because of that. Yeah. And we have this idea that you're going to go and get a test and somebody's going to test your hormones and they're in, they're going to tell you. No, that's no. <laughs> There's actually no test for perimenopause. Um, you can go to your doctor and they can diagnose it based on your symptoms. Okay. So that's, that's where that happens. Um, you can test for men. You can confirm that you're in menopause at a certain point by testing your FSH levels and your estradiol. But until you get there, there's no, there's no test right. to see if you're in perimenopause. And it is also interesting because Procter and Gamble just came out with a test to see if you're in perimenopause. Oh wow! <laughs> and uh, an over-the-counter test um, that's out now. And the thing with stuff like this that's frustrating is that again, your hormones change so much during this perimenopause phase. There, it is not helpful to test your hormones. They okay. change so much. And there's nothing that's going to tell you, it doesn't change the outcome of anything. You're, there's no, do you, do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Does no, I do. I think like what you, I'm taking from so, this is it's more about like, just kind of understanding that you're most likely, if you're experiencing some differences in your cycle or other, you know, things that might be getting you to think, oh, you know, maybe something's going on, like just accepting that that's most likely a part of it. And it's, it's not, it's, it's not a black and white issue. There's exactly. like many yeah. phases and yeah. ups and downs and like, yeah. A lot and, of once, and, and then that's just when you start paying attention to your body, <laughs> because you have to accept that you are going to experience some changes and, um, and it's time to start taking it more seriously. Right. <laughs> it's time to start doing those things around nutrition and, you know, and sleep and the products and the things that you're using and the stress levels that you're experiencing. It's time to start taking all of that stuff more seriously and, um, and start get preparing, start being, you know, taking better care of yourself. Right. So. Well, and then to kind of piggyback off of that, as far as, um, like, physical things that people can do with exercise, I'm assuming like yoga, meditation, like all the physical things that people can do to help support their health leading up to this and during. Yeah, that's one of the things definitely um, exercise and that there's a lot of things that need to shift around our 
perspective of exercise. Like we tend to think of exercise as the thing we do to work off the bad thing we did the day before or something like we're just, we got to burn some calories. The other thing that's really challenging is as you reach this stage, um, I mean, a lot of women gain weight and there's reasons around all of that. We can talk about that in a minute, but um, just um, what am I trying to say with, with exercise is just, it's just the, you need to move your body <laughs> you got it. and you need to think of it more as a stress management mm-hmm. thing for yourself. So getting out there and doing what helps you feel good is super important. So, um, and the other piece in that, as you reach this stage is to really start to focus on, um, resistance training and working on your muscle development and also your bone health. Um, so those are things that you all, you want to be thinking about and working on during this stage to, to strengthen those areas. But then, like you said, yoga is super, is fantastic for stress management. It's also great for just relieving things that are, you know, caught up in your body. Um, and, but mostly doing the thing that you love to do and not the thing that you hate to do. Right. <laughs> because that's not going to get you there, right. you know, and it's so important at this stage. So find the thing that you love and get out there and move and, and make it fun. So yeah, something that you like enough to do consistently. Exactly. Um, okay. So we talked a little bit about this, but let's dive into it a bit more. What are some of the most common misconceptions or myths around menopause? Um, and you know, how can you debunk them? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that first one is just around when it happens. Like we seem to think it's like in your fifties or something, the average age of actually reaching menopause is 51. Okay. So, um, and then, like we said, it's a good seven years, maybe leading up to that. Some women won't really experience too much, you know, during that window, it might be really subtle things. Um, and then maybe just the two years as they get closer to that becomes a little more pronounced you start skipping having your regular periods and stuff like that you know you're getting closer so um so I mean that's one thing is just so you know if if women recognize that this happens sooner I think we would treat it differently you know and prepare ourselves better for it but we haven't been talking about it and it just kind of hits you upside the head and you're like you know not not ready for it well and just like the whole um you know having this conversation around the length of it. Like that's not something that I think is common knowledge. Um, and that this is something that can gradually get, you know, you're going to see more symptoms as the time goes on, but recognizing those earlier on. Right. And then, um, I think one of the other things that's, um, big myths is just that we see menopause as this, like, I guess, deficiency is the word I want to use. Like we see it as estrogen deficiency. And that's interesting when you're talking about the phases, like the early stages of perimenopause, um, you don't have an estrogen deficiency. (laughs) You have spikes, you have a a deep decline in your progesterone and that it's those spikes between those two that cause kind of the the havoc. Interesting. Um, But we treat, you know, in our world, it's like we treat things like it's a deficiency, like you're broken. We're going to give you we'll give this to you and it'll fix, it'll fix it. You know, like, Oh, I'm just, Oh, I must be deficient in estrogen. So I'll just get some estrogen and I'll be good. You know? And it's like, "Eh," back to that earlier part of our conversation. It's not one thing. There's, there's this whole orchestra of stuff going on. 
And um, so learning and starting to open your thinking that way will help your experience too. Right. Okay. Um, Anything else that you can think of? Let's see. Well, the other one is this idea, idea that we're just supposed to suffer through it. That women tend to do that. It's like, oh, well, like it, must, not- it must be menopause. There's nothing I can do about it. I just got to tough it out and I'll get past right. it. It's such, that's, that's a big myth. Um, the symptoms and things that as they present themselves to us are our body letting us know where our, where we need to put our focus, where our deficiencies are. And so learning to pay, you, you're not supposed to suffer through menopause. If you're having symptoms, it's a sign that there's some things that you need to do for your body, whether that's these nutrition and lifestyle things, whether maybe you need to see your doctor, like it's important to take these things seriously. And sometimes it may, may not be menopause. You know, you can have issues happening in your life around this stage that aren't menopause too. And so it's just really important to, again, it's just, it's a foundational time for your health and you need to take it seriously. And, um, and there's no need to suffer through it. So. That's that's good news. That's a good myth to bust. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that menopause is not some disease. It's not a disease that you get. And then once you get it, you're, you, everything goes down the toilet and your life is over. I mean, women will live a third, 30, 40% of their lifespan in menopause, in post-menopause. Right. And so it's not like... Uh, it's just a doorway. It's not the end of something. So that's another thing to make sure you don't fall in the trap of thinking that this is the end and it's all over. (laughs) Well, I do do think that that has been something because I mean, you know, we've been hearing this for decades, but like 40 is the new 30, 50 is the new 40. But the reality is, is that, you know, 50-ish doesn't seem, and it's not as old as it once felt just you know culturally we thought it was like so old but it's not and people are you know living vibrant vibrant healthy life around that age and to look at it from that perspective of like this is just part of it just like you know when you get your period (laughs) like that's part of life too it's I mean it's essentially your second puberty you know it's just it's a stage of life it's a transition and as you move through it take care of yourself through it (laughs) it becomes the other side of your life. Like, right. so I just think it's important for women to hear that message too. It is temporary and ultimately it's going somewhere good, which is to the rest of your life. Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So don't yeah. be afraid. Hey friends, it's your host, Jessica. I'm sure like me, you're passionate about creating a healthy, safe home for your loved ones. Did you ever hold a product in your hand trying to make sense of the long list of ingredients that seem to require a PhD to understand? I've had that same experience too. That's why I created a completely free label reading guide to help you demystify what's really in your household products. My guide zeroes in on the top three most harmful ingredients you need to look out for, making it easier than ever to spot and avoid them. Armed with this guide, you'll feel empowered, capable of making informed decisions for your household, knowing that you're protecting your family from potential toxins. So are you ready to be a master of label reading? Visit freelabelreadingguide.com to download your guide now. Together, we can make clean living truly easy and transform our homes into the safe havens they're meant to be. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the weight gain piece of this, because I know, like you had mentioned, this is something that a lot of women struggle with. Um, 
yeah, can you dive into that a little bit more? And yeah, about I mean, it's kind of, it is sort of a tricky subject in some ways because of different things and stuff that you read and research and everything. But ultimately, it doesn't seem to be that weight gain is caused by menopause. Um, there are a lot of things that change in our life around this stage. So it's sort of like the chicken egg thing, like who what comes first kind of thing, you know? But it is true that we do... Um, store fat differently as we age. So as you get post-menopause, we tend to store more fat around our bellies, which is supposed to be the bad weight that we don't want to have. Um, so it is important to pay attention to weight during this phase. Um, it's certainly a time that you don't want to keep adding weight because it's just going to add to issues later. So so it is an important piece of the, you know, of your health and the conversation and stuff. Um, at the same time, we are changing, you know, as hormones change, I mean, we know even your monthly cycle, your weight changes, right? So you have to understand that hormones play into all of this, but it's not inevitable to just that you're going to gain weight in menopause. That's not really what I'm seeing in, in the science and the research and the experts that I'm following. So um, well, and especially if we go back to that nutrition piece of it, if you're really truly focusing on getting the right amount of protein, eating enough fruits and vegetables and some healthy fats. Um, and the other thing that people kind of aren't realizing is that weight gain is not just your nutrition. Sleep impacts your weight. Um, stress massively affects your weight and obesogens and things that environmental toxins affect your weight. There are all these different things that add to the, that equation. Um, and that need to be part of that conversation and part of your efforts as well, um, because you need all the best food in the world, but if you're completely stressed out, your body's not going to metabolize that and absorb the nutrients the way that you want it to. And you're completely wasting your, you know, do you think that, energy, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think that when women are going through, you know, the stages of menopause, that that lack of sleep or stress, um, impacts their weight more severely, if that makes sense? Um, so that's, I guess that's where, I don't know if we really know the answer to that question, but it does, um, you know, at this stage, I think that there's just so many things that come into play because we are, you know, like we talked about earlier, just kind of extra wiped out to begin with. And, um, and absolutely all of those, you know, if you're getting disrupted sleep, that's going to lead to weight gain. And so if your disrupted sleep is caused because you had a night flash and I mean a hot flash and it woke you up or a night sweat right. and you're just, dis- you've got yeah. some disrupted <laughs> sleep. And because you have disrupted sleep, you're, that can lead to weight, to weight gain. Right. So there are changes in your body that do make you more susceptible to yeah. those interruptions and all of that stuff. Does that make sense? I mean, no, it really no. is part of that. Yeah. No. So it's not oh. just like a one thing that's just, you know, it's just because some hormone change, you're going to gain weight. No, it's a little more nuanced and a little more complicated yeah. than that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So let's, let's geek out a little bit about the toxin part of this. Um, because, you know, it is a huge part of how our hormones can be affected. But do you want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, some of that and some things that people can look out for on that in that regard? Um, let's see. Yeah, let's, um, well, we do have some studies showing that like parabens and phthalates and, um, some specific 
chemicals that are in our daily environment and routine um, are linked to early menopause. So we do know that. Um, and we, you know, it's again, it's just one of those pieces of the puzzle, you know, that are contributing um, to, you know, the environment and stuff that we that we live in. So I, I definitely think that that's one piece of the puzzle that a lot of people don't even realize is something. Yeah. It's one of the, it is one of the most overlooked pieces of the puzzle. You know, people aren't talking about it. It's part of like when we went to, um, Jessica and I both had the opportunity to go to Washington, D.C. and um, sitting in and learning from that science symposium about these, these critical windows in our reproductive health, right? And menopause is one of those, like we just talked about it being the second puberty. It's when we're more susceptible to different health concerns. And so that's why it's, such a vital time to protect our health so that we can move through that transition without introducing, you know, more problems. A lot of the studies are focused more on like puberty, right? And pregnancy. We're not looking as much as at their impact um, at menopause, but we do have enough studies that we, we know it's there, you know? And so, um, so this is play a part in those two phases, it's definitely going to play a part in menopause. Exactly. No and way. it's one of it's one of the things that we actually, I mean, in a lot of ways, we have no control, right? There's some things we don't have control over, but in a lot of ways, it is something we can have an impact in. We can reduce those exposures in our homes and in our daily life with just, just the things that we purchase, the things that we do. And um, and it can have a positive impact. And and it's one of those things that I feel like once you make those changes, you can kind of stop worrying about it. Like you did your part. You did what you need to do to set yourself up for a better outcome, you know? Right. It's not something like with food, you're constantly it's, thinking about yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, I found a shampoo that I love and it doesn't have these hormone disrupting chemicals in it or ingredients. Um, so let's move on and not think about that anymore. <laughs> exactly. I'm all for that kind of stuff. Like the stuff, the low hanging fruit that you can fix and just tackle and get it out of the way. And you know, it's going to impact your life, you know, like just get yeah, it done, awesome. just get it done. <laughs> well, and I think with this, I mean, for me, at least this is the overall message I like for people to take away is that, you know, these changes add up over time and, um, you really want to set your health up for success as much as possible at any stage in life, right? So I think um, putting this on people's radar at any time is super important. And some people don't think about it until they're, you know, in perimenopause or menopause, but, um, but it's crucial at all times. So it's just certain times we're more susceptible to things. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, I and we can use those, those things as motivation, right? Like if you know that by cleaning up some of these things in your life, it's, it's going to make your symptoms less, you know, it's going to support your overall health. You're going to feel better. You're going to, you know, all of those right. things are motivating. You're like, okay, I'll do it now. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I, I meant to do it before, need, but yeah, know. sometimes we need things like that to really kind of yeah. put it on our radar. But I do know that doctors are talking about this um, element of things more, which is a good sign. Um, I definitely have some friends That's, who weren't really thinking about this prior to, but now are. Um, so yeah, it's one of the things that I also realized is like, um, through my work with beauty counter is, you know, because of my age, um, there were, I, I just remember sitting in on these different, um, advocacy meetings and district meetings that we did, um, with our local representatives to talk about the issue of environmental toxins and all of this stuff and our personal care products and 
and wanting more health protective laws. And um, and I'm sitting at these tables looking at, with all of these 30 something year old women who are sharing their stories about fertility issues and and cancers and stuff that, and I'm just realizing like what a huge issue it, it is that wasn't an issue when I was in my thirties. Right. We weren't all sitting around tables having these conversations. Like there's been a huge shift <laughs> um, and we're all seeing that in our health. So um, if I hadn't had that, anyway, like I wasn't going to, my, my doctor wasn't telling me that I should, when you reach pregnancy or you're, you're dealing with fertility issues, your doctor's going to tell you to go look at your personal care products and get them cleaned up and start looking for these ingredients. Yeah, it's definitely something that's being presented now. That but that doesn't happen when you're in menopause. You don't go to your doctor and she says, right. you know, at this stage of life, you probably should look at your personal care products. You probably, you're not, we're not getting that information yet. Right. So that's why I think it's an important piece of the puzzle. One of the things that's being overlooked that we can actually do something about and it can have a really positive impact. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and on that note, we're going to wrap things up, but let's talk about, um, you know, where people can get in touch with you and you have something really exciting coming up that is very directly related to this toxin part of our conversation. Yeah. So I, I do have a, um, a course, like a, series of workshops um, that will start at the end of October. And it is all focused on, you know, reducing your environmental exposures, you know, um, to a lot of these toxicants, toxicants and um, looking at, you know, all the different places in our life from our food to our food packaging, to our kitchens, to our um, cleaners and, you know, all household cleaners and our, all of, all of the things. Um, and, but really looking at it, in terms of direct impact to hormonal health and this stage of life and the things that we, like I just said, we're not being taught or told. And so I just feel it's one of those overlooked areas um, in this transition of our life. And um, so I'm going to tackle those with my, with my attendees and, um, you know, just walk through the process of cleaning those things up and what to look for and how to, how to, how to read labels, <laughs> um, right. and how to, how to clean up these things in your life and how to prioritize them and do them in a way that's, you know, doable. It's accessible. doesn't have to cost a lot. And like we said, you can kind of check those things off your list and then you can start putting your attention more into your nutrition and your lifestyle and your sleep and your right. stress and things like that too. So, Yeah. Oh, that's great. And um, how can people find you? So um, people can find me at itmaybemenopause.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram at that same handle, itmaybemenopause. And um, and that's kind of the continuing conversation is just helping people work through that. It may be menopause. It may not be. It may be. <laughs> and there's, yeah, so but know. it probably is. And so, you know, <laughs> yeah. all, all of that. Awesome. Um, but, but yeah, just... Um, you know, you can join me there. I've got um, a, like a guide that you can download and kind of work through those sections of your life and really think about where you need to put some of your attention. Um, and I encourage people to just pick up those little pieces where you can. You're not going to do and transform your life, all of the things overnight and stuff. Pick one area that you can make some improvements in and commit commit to those. And um, it will make things so much easier, so much easier for you. And like I said, I just think this is such an exciting stage of life. I think that women are, you know, really going to be, um, we need women in leadership. 
And this is the stage where we really kind of step into that. And we're no longer controlled by all of the hormones that drive reproduction and nurturing and all of those things. And we kind of shift into this other space for ourselves. And so supporting your hormones through that, I think just sets the world up to have better leadership from women going forward. And that is the ultimate goal. <laughs> so. That's great. Well, this has been a really, really enlightening conversation and um, just, you know, uh, on a personal note, like I've learned so much from Karen and she's taken so many courses on this topic. And, you know, we were talking about being in a science symposium together. Like this stuff is, is, um, is, you know, sometimes difficult to navigate, but having people like Karen to be able to learn from is really, really helpful. And it's like, don't, especially going through this time in your life. So definitely go give her a follow and reach out to her and, um, you'll be sending information about your course. Soon, yeah. Right? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You'll, I'll be yelling about it on my Instagram page. So if you want to follow on there. Yes, so go and, check then, it out. And, and also you can join my, um, my email list there that you'll see at on my homepage that I have a Sunday newsletter that goes out. It's called the lift and it's really just focused on, um, the stage of life, um, empty nesting, it's self-care, it's health. It's kind of a combination of all those things, but really just meant to help you kind of see things in a more positive and uplifting light as you start your week. Yeah, and every and week I have a little else. challenge, a little mission for you to kind of focus on. Right. And That's like the biggest thing is like just making sure that people aren't stressing out about this and exactly. that support and that I, I, I love Karen's newsletter. So definitely go get on her list. She's got an amazing knack for writing and, um, and really doing that, making people feel less overwhelmed by this topic. So, And that's one of the things I appreciate most about you is you from the beginning have always just been so good at breaking things down into simple, you know, things that people can take action on and feel good about without getting overwhelmed. So I love what you're doing and really holding people's hands through this process because it's such, it's, it really is important work. So thank you. Well, Thank you on that note. <laughs> um, all of the links that um, Karen mentioned will be in the show notes. So go check those out. And thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Thanks for listening to the Clean Living Made Easy podcast. If you want more, head over to cleanlivingmadeeasypodcast.com for show notes and links to all the products or discount codes mentioned in today's episode. If you'd like to be notified when new podcast episodes are released or to join the Clean Product Junkie community, head over to cleanproductjunkie.com and join our mailing list. See you in the next episode. Thank you.